0: somebody who thinks he's as tough as a new mistake. We all come to speed for the do me
1: Now get this. We need partners. We need brothers and we need friends. I'm-
0: My little brother was 15 years old. You think about that. Hell. how about cutting heads?
2: oh i get it you want some kind of contest huh you're a real
0: ran into someone that likes to play as rough as I do. Yeah, this must be your lucky night. For my bodies, they're not nice like me. Are we supposed to say facts? You're not supposed to say nothing, soldier. families of brothers they rode together from Missouri to Minnesota and from Texas to Tennessee they were the most famous outlaw heroes of the West they were known as the long riders this is their story and it's as close to the truth as legends can ever be you don't give us no trouble mister I want your sons, Mr. Samuel. What do you want them for? For robbing banks and trains, ma'am. What do you think your chances are of bringing them in? That's an amazingly stupid question. Wait for them to come out! People say they got one of the youngers. People say they got the wrong younger. You men did an excellent job of making heroes out of every one of those gentlemen. I think I'll write me a book. Make myself even more famous than I am. You've been alone. Excuse me, miss. I was wondering if you cared to dance. I'd be delighted. Coming back for you. We're gonna be meeting up real soon. They got a real fat bank up there. Scouted it out myself. Northfield. You open that safe, mister, you hear?
2: The pinker had told us he might be coming. You're robbing the bank!
0: David, Keith, and Robert Carradine as Cole, Jim, and Bob Younger. James and Stacy Keach as Jesse and Frank James. Dennis and Randy Quaid as Clell and Ed Miller. Christopher and Nicholas Guest is the Ford brothers. The Long Riders.
2: Hello folks and welcome to Last Call of Torchies. Uh we've been away for a while. I it seems like I'm saying that on every show because it's it's fucking true people. And I, I've missed all of this. So <laughs> um I'll introduce been my. Been are
1: waiting for you.
2: Yes, I know, right. right? I love that about you guys, and
3: I'm I'm gonna kick it he to my. You
1: hmm?
3: set up the call weeks ago, and Cameron and I have just been sitting on Skype for weeks. It's gotten a little awkward. to be Man, honest. nothing to eat. My wife, you know? my
1: wife's been asking me to bathe. You know, it's yeah. Kind of...
3: <laughs> they got those wipes.
2: I you just, you just clean yourself off. Now I'm playing. down. No, no. It's just uh...
1: <laughs> damn. If only I'd have known. Shit.
2: God damn it, guys. Yeah, you know? it's a. Uh...
1: That's why we need you,
2: Gary. God damn. Yeah. Uh, they're all they're all uh, going already. So I'm gonna let them introduce themselves. Uh, who wants to introduce themselves first? Go, go ahead. You know, it's been a while.
3: Uh, I'm Lee Russell. I do podcasts and things of that nature. He sounds oh. he sounds so awkward right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how I usually sound on podcasts, it's fun. He, he can't
2: flash those eyebrows at people like, like he does on Facebook, see? So yeah, day. I know.
1: And I'm Cameron Scott, I also do podcasts and stuff, and I'm styling and profiling my new razor-sharp sideburns, but you can't see them. Man, <laughs> you got a gold watch and a $2,000 suit, too? You know,
2: that,
3: you know, yes, I, mean, I do, a little pinky ring. Do
2: it, man. What's going on?
3: Gotta gotta get behind the legion, pay well for for the real good
2: stuff. Oh yeah,
3: oh yeah. <laughs> that's
2: that's where the sexiness is. Speaking of which, I we've been together, we've been away for so long, and, you know. I'm a, on a podcast, on a, a podcaster's high because I got to record with my brother X earlier and my brother Derek. So I'm gonna open a beer for this show. Here it comes. Oh, okay. there you go. And I never drink on a podcast, but there you go.
1: <laughs> I always drink on a podcast. I have yeah. a beer open right here.
2: See, I, I I'm an old man. I fall asleep if I if I is the slightest bit tipsy. So I don't I don't drink anything
3: in a podcast anymore. <laughs> it's the only way I can survive social interaction, whether it be online or in person. So, cheers, cheers, here salud, salud. Yeah,
1: I either need a strong coffee or a strong drink. One, one of the mm-hmm. two to deal with people. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're we're
2: here today tonight. It is a tonight uh to discuss nineteen eighty, the year of my birth, uh The Long Riders, which is a massive cast. Of course, you know, directed by Walter Hill, but this time uh written by some other guys. Bill Bryden, Stephen Smith, and Stacy Keach, who's celebrating his eightieth birthday today, people, so celebrate. Wow. Yeah.
1: Nice, nice. Sergeant Stodanko, still kicking. Oh yeah. <laughs>
2: um, this of course is about the younger James gang, uh, tor- towards the end of that gang, because they, they, they obviously break up, uh, you know, eventually, and that happens in this movie, and what happens, uh, happens to Jesse James, uh, at the end of this movie, but, um, I'll introduce I'll you to the cast, because it's, uh, it's all, it's all brothers in real life, which is very cool, which is, uh, an idea because I think George Roy Hill was going to make this movie and he was against the whole idea of casting all these brothers. And I say, okay, you know, <laughs> <laughs> mm. it works so well in this movie, guys. Um, yeah, it does. David Carradine and Keith Carradine play Cole and Jim Younger, um, respectively. Uh, Stacy Keach and James Keach play Frank and Jesse James. Um, Dennis Quaid short time in this movie, uh, plays Ed Miller. Uh, Robert Carradine uh, plays Bob Younger. I should have mentioned that. I'm sorry. Uh, Randy Quaid plays Clell Miller. You know, one of those serious Randy Quaid moments where he, he uh, lost his mind or whatnot, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or he went uh, all Gary Busey on us. Man, he did go <laughs>
2: Busey. They get kind of serious again because if you get the Blu-ray, the, and I haven't gotten this yet, I'm mad at myself, the Kino Blu-ray... He has a new interview on there about this movie, and I'm curious where that goes. Um, (laughs) Christopher Guest and Nicholas Guest as Charlie and Bob Ford. Uh, Pamela Reed, she got a nice ass, people, I gotta tell you, because this movie, I I found that out, as Bell Mm -hmm. Star. Uh, James Remar plays a a half-Indian, I guess you would call him, in Sam Star in this movie. Oh man. Harry Carey Jr., Western classic shows up as George Arthur. There's a lot there's lots of people in here. A lot of love went to this one. And um this is a passion project for the Keach Brothers. And um it it shows because um I I, I yeah. They played the Wright Brothers in nineteen seventy one in, in a in a in a film called The Wright Brothers and they gave them the idea to portrayed Jesse and Jesse and Frank James and um James uh, started writing started off by writing a play about the James Brothers which, which Stacey financed and produced they staged it at the Bucks County Playhouse and then toured it through schools in New Jersey so that would have been something you know
1: hmm. it'd be a fly on that wall huh
2: man yeah well I, I think Stacey Keach is a guy I want to hang out with anyway just, just he seems like a real gruff dude that you can get high with or drunk with or something I don't know <laughs>
1: <laughs> and as much as he's always done I always see him as Titus's dad. Oh
3: yeah. Yeah. That's kinda i like I totally forget the rest of that fucking show, but like that is one thing I do remember from you know, <laughs> Right. And every, and every time I think about him I think about him as he looks there pretty much. So Right, right. That and um if you're
2: a thirty rock fan, the the Couchtown promo,
3: if you remember that episode,
2: it was uh it's pretty epic. This was an episode <laughs> in which um Alec Baldwin's character Jack Donaghy uh, built couches, but he, he built them all fucked up. So they use it as a war against terror, uh, weapon against terrorism. So <laughs> doing these couch town promos is just Stacy Heach. says something about like if you're a man, you like a couch or some shit like that. I forget what it is, but if I if I if I find it, I'll put it at the beginning of this episode just be, just because I want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right on, right on. Oh my gosh, but um. I'll kick it to Cameron first. Uh, Thoughts and whatever uh, on this great movie.
1: Oh, pardon my French, but I fucking love this movie. I've always loved this movie. Uh, I I watched this with my grandfather for the first time when I was probably about seven, maybe eight years old. You know, I was probably about like 82, 83. And whenever my grandpa would babysit me, there was always Westerns on. Yeah, that or Burt Reynolds movies, but... I got introduced to this movie, and that's how I learned about the, you know, the Caradines. Uh, how I learned about the the Keeches and the Quades, and it's the epitome of what I love in a Western. Walter Hill was channeling a lot of uh, what I thought uh, uh, Sam Peckinpah did in The Wild Bunch mm-hmm. here with the, with the action. The action is very stylized, very boisterous, and God, I love it. I mean, it's. It's everything I love in a Western. I know I'm just repeating myself, but uh, you know it, whether or not it's 100% you know, historically accurate, it, it's pretty much right on. You know, from what I've gathered from my own you know delving into history books and whatnot, I, I like the fact that it didn't take too many liberties with things, and it's got that awesome fight scene between <laughs> David Carradine and James Remar. <laughs> You know, by awesome, I mean not so much, (laughs) but but it's a fun, it's fun. It's, it's, it's a fun movie and all the subsequent characters and, you know, people like Eddie Bunker uh, playing Mm. small roles, Lynn Shea, Fran Ryan. It's got a great cast. It's, it's got great music. I did not know though, in uh, that Stacey Keach had uh, wrote it. I had no idea about that. So that was was, uh, fun to get to know. but, But, Yeah, I love this movie. Up, down, all around, one into to the other. Everything about it is great. It's, uh, it, you know, I hold, I hold it to all other Westerns to a very, very high standard. Bas- basically because uh, this movie and The Unforgiven. Mm. Two two totally different movies, I might say. But, you know, uh, they're the, the movies by which uh, all other Westerns
3: should be judged. And I'll leave it at that.
2: Nice.
3: I really like this. This movie sort of has a gimmick going for it with with the uh, all the real life brothers playing real life, you know, brothers from history. Um, it, it seems like maybe it'd be a little on the nose, but it just happens to be a bunch of really good to great actors doing it. So it's like, okay, we can let that slide. Um, I think it's pretty good. It feels like a sort of more meditative revisionist western at this point, so, you know, we're, we're kind of in the days of where the Western is really dead now, and uh, you only see one or two Westerns pop up here and there, and they're either, like, revisionist Westerns, or they're s- silly and more comedic. Um, so this one is very meditative, uh, you know, all all these guys, post-Civil War, with no direction, um, and it's just sort of, their lives sort of spiral, spiraling uh, out of control, Um, it does take some liberties of history, but it is fairly straight ahead, uh, accurate as far as you can get, as far as accuracy with the Old West legends and stuff like that, because there's always going to be a lot of conflicting stories and a lot of bullshit. But this this seems to follow most of the established, accepted history that uh, sort of went on. Uh, I think the performances are all pretty good. I would... I'd say um, James Keach is maybe a little bit miscast as the as the lead for as as Jesse. I I, I don't know if that works as much. Like this feels much more like Stacy Keach and David Carradine's movie. They sort of run away with it whenever they're on screen. Oh yeah, and and it's like it feels like almost feels to me like David Carradine just kind of like I need a fight scene and. Uh, <laughs> And you're going to give it to me, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly how it went down, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, given some of the shit he used to pull on sets, especially around this time, um, you know, like the, the famous one on uh, Death Sport where he beat up the first director and they had to replace the director of a new guy because uh, he, like, insulted the, co- uh, the co-star, Claudia Jennings, or, or whatever. So uh, he, he was not... Uh, he was not a guy you pushed around on set back, back in those days. Uh, he was so full of himself. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if this ranks up uh, as one of my favorites of the ones we've, we've seen uh, so far. I'll, you know, given the fact that we've just done a bunch of uh, Walter Hill classics that are all fucking great. Uh, this one's probably at the bottom of that list. So, you know, I'm not I'm not shitting on it or anything like that. But um, yeah, for the most part, this works for me quite a bit and uh, we will get into the details as we talk about it, but yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I, I will agree with Lee there, but that doesn't mean that it's bad or anything, but yeah, I agree that, um, that he was, he was miscast in a way, but it it, it it would have really broke up the vibe of this brother's production, which really came together from a lot of things falling together. Um, cause James Keech, uh, acted opposite Robert Carradine in a television version of the Hatfields and McCoys, and mentioned the project to him, and uh, Carradine suggested that he and his brothers play the younger brothers, and um, it's basically like, hey, you want to do it? And then say, yeah, we're going to do it, and then later they they would get together, uh, (laughs) you know, by some happenstance, the guy from United Artists, and they, they they got funding for the film, so I think that that brotherhood uh motion happened in the the making of the film and you know during the the film that the chemistry was there obviously and Mm -hmm. i really dig it and you know it's 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 it moves at a pace that is to say you know it doesn't dwell on things too long you get some some good i i gotta say irresponsible horse stunts in this movie because Uh, you you, 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 you have to think that maybe one of them or five of them got hurt during some of these because they're, they're jumping through big glass panes of, of, uh, with windows. And there's a point where they're trying to get away towards the end where they got the horses in the water. And I know horses are, are strong Mm. and they're trained for this, Mm -hmm. but you know, something bad could have happened there. Um, but you also get some great, you know, uh, responsible horse stunts where they're literally chasing down a train and jumping on top of the train, and it's it's all uh, there on film, and with that great score. Um, I love the relationship, yeah, between uh, oh man, Pamela Reed in this movie <laughs> <laughs> with 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 Cole Younger, he just. said, uh, the whole idea of you know their past relationship comes up and and um the whole idea of there's a scene in the film where he says you still cost 15 I think that's the line or I'm 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 uh says <laughs> like you see to be loses I'll charge you 12 and a half' We're like yeah she, she, she's kind of a whore still but she's still he still thinks of it as, as his whore in, in that town and that's very possessive but Mm-hmm. their their rapport is, is is some things that I like in this film um, I gotta say uh, some of the filming stuff here some of the film was shot in Parrot, Georgia with the opening sequence being filmed in Leary, Georgia the main street of Leary was covered with dirt to hide the asphalt road along with many of the storefronts being modified to look authentic to the times um, so they did a whole um, like they did with Public Enemies Prefer for, for Johnny Depp, they changed oh, yeah. Chicago to make it
3: look like the 1920s. You know? uh, I don't like that movie all that much. I I, I prefer the Warren Oates uh, Dillinger. I, I like so, the work that went into it. I just like
2: you said, it's a little it's a little off and a little long too.
3: Because um, Warren Oates hmm? actually looks like Dillinger, like he's ugly, like Dillinger was. <laughs> Dillinger did not look like Johnny Depp. No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love Warner O's and many things now, but he'll he'll always be Sergeant Holker to me because oh of my God. yeah because because of what I, the what I grew up with, you know.
3: Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. he's. Always, I mean, he's always uh, Benny from uh, uh, Alfredo Garcia to me. So yeah. I, I, I saw Stripes at, like six years old, and that was the wrong time to see
2: Stripes. But I, I <laughs> that, that, was that was one of the only right
1: th- time to see Stripes. That
2: was the only VHS. One of the only VHSs my uncle had. And I hung out a lot over there and. Yeah, mm. stripes was a thing. Um, yeah. Funny and boobs. Funny funny and boobs, man. I, I, I always credit just one of the guys for the first pair of boobs that I've seen, but I think stripes beats that. I think, you know. But they were. Halloween
1: was the first set of boobs I've seen, but then again, with stripes, both PJ souls, so
3: there yeah. you go. Mm-hmm.
2: They were covered yeah. in. The, the boobs were covered in mud, though, so there's that, so.
3: Oh, no, there's the, that whole scene with PJ Soles where oh, she yes. gets it on with Bill Murray. Given the, the Aunt Jemima treatment, you know. That uh...
2: <laughs> oh, Here we go. Hill said the most difficult sequence was the one where the horses jumped through the glass. We trained them for three weeks, making them do jumps without the glass. Once he conditioned them to do that, we put the glass in. It's a big surprise to the horses, and they did, they'll do only do it once. They had these different sets of horses for the second jump fucking obviously, you know. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking fool me, horse, god damn it, you know. No, there's a lot of great scenes in this movie, though, like, where we're, um... Like I said, the 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 the, the train thing is probably one of my favorite things in the world because the, the, the stunts, done when they were involved in that, just them riding the horses and riding them quickly, the stuntmen, obviously. I, I doubt the actors did any of this. Um them being able to jump from the horse onto the train was really something. And while the ho- while the train was obviously moving, because, you know, they don't have CG back in these days to do that sort of thing. And it's uh, really wild to watch. And uh, I'm glad the horses weren't hurt now,
3: just throwing it out there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because it's usually too many times you go into the IMDb trivia for, for stuff like this, and you immediately expect to... Three horses died in the making of this. So you know, some of them got swept down the river and drowned, or you know whatever the fuck. You, you expect to see that all the time. Um, oh, yeah, that was like part of the
1: course back then in the
3: seventies and eighties. Yeah. Um, I, f- I found this one interesting. Like, it doesn't really have a. It's very much like a big hangout movie for a lot of the, for a lot of it, and mm-hmm. it's it, it helps that you know it's all really good actors talking, so it's it's not too boring. Although I, I do get a little tired of like barn dances and stuff like that, like I, I could use a little less of that. But it's it's interesting. The movie doesn't really have a three act structure so much. It it just kind of fades out instead of burning out like you'd kind of expect. Like it it it, it does linger quite a bit after the uh, the sort of big final shootout where like half the gang gets killed and everyone else gets caught and and stuff like that. Um so I I I found it interesting that they sort of went that direction with it although it kind of makes sense with with Walter Hill sometimes and sometimes he'll you know he'll linger linger on the the aftermath of stuff instead of uh just ending with a big bang like a lot of movies would tend to do in this period you know
2: Yeah I think that um one of the weak points of the film which is there's there's not many for me but like like you said there's a lot of saloon scenes a lot of you know that kind of stuff, but I, I do love when Randy Quaid uh, t- he goes to go request his song the hard way. I think it's just people forget that he he acted in things that were pretty good back in the day, and mm-hmm. just go go look it up, guys. Because he uh, he can't act past Cousin Eddie in Independence in Independence Day. It just
3: oh yeah, check check him out and uh, check him out in the fucking Last Detail. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Missouri Breaks. Missouri mm-hmm. Breaks is another good, good Western brandy. Yeah, you know, I think people underestimate him because they know him just as Cousin Eddie, but he, he could actually pull 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 it out when when he wanted to. He was he was good. Yeah, or he, he went he, all
3: bouncy on us. Yeah, it's yeah, either he's either Cousin Eddie or he's the crazy guy who fled to Canada because he's afraid Hollywood is trying to murder him or some <laughs> shit. It's like. <laughs> yeah I think, I think
2: one of the big things this does is though it, it takes it takes a lot of liberties with the audience and and when i say that they assume you know when you watch this movie when you turn it on that you know about as much as the keach brothers do about these 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 people these real life people and if you don't you know the movie you can move at a pace to say okay so so you know, they're brothers. I get it. You know, but why? Why should we care about this? And why should we care about that? But the filmmakers know why they put that stuff in there, but the, the audience might not necessarily know why they put the little little little
3: beats in there about the mm. his the history of these people. You know, I mean, at the same at the same time, uh, the film definitely is kind of still within that uh, little genre of like the. Confederate revisionist kind of stuff with the, you know, the, the lost cause that they, that the noble lost cause that they, they lost or whatever, because uh, a lot of the Jesse James kind of films, um, they tend to romanticize them a little too much. I feel because like when it gets down to it, they, these were all ex Confederate soldiers who were like, half of them were part of uh, Quantrell's Raiders and shit. And they were just like doing guerrilla warfare uh, murdering and raping people and shit like that. So it's like uh, the movie kind of this movie strays away from that. Doesn't really mention it all that much, thankfully, because <laughs> otherwise you'd have like no sympathy at all for any of these people. At least I, I wouldn't.
1: Oh yeah, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the relationship but, with their with their women and you know stuff like that. you 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 feel. Some kind of a compassion with them in that way, but they're this they're pre- a... they're pretty cold throughout the movie though, as far as like people realize that they're outlaws and that they should be respected to us to an extent, so when they come to mm-hmm. town, yeah they're they're all kind of kissing their ass in a way, but not all of them are they're, they're more feared than anything else
3: it's yeah it, d- it dependent, like like when the gang started and stuff. It depended where they went. It depended, you know, sort of where they went. Like if if they were doing stuff in the more southern states where there was, you know, sympathy towards them because, oh yeah, they they fought the good fight for us and we lost the war and and there's, you know, we're we're still gonna hide them or we're gonna, you know, look the other way and shit like that. But that happened less and less as like the law started targeting them and they were starting to get like. All of a sudden, they didn't have the red carpet rolled out for them in certain places, and they just sort of got uh, pinned down basically after a while to the point where a lot of them had to either give up or get killed, and then you know, give up other people in the gang and other associates and stuff like that. And you sort of get that with this, like this is very much like, like I said, it's very much the winding down of these people's lives, like the last few years of their lives. Because you got the pink, the uh, what was it? The Pinkertons that are, yeah, are Pinkertons, Yeah, the railroad yeah, guys mm-hmm, that are like hunting them down pretty relentlessly, and uh, so like it, it, takes a toll. Uh, like, so you get get a little bit of the relationships and stuff to sort of humanize them and sort of understand that they're trying to build lives as their lives are close, quickly closing in to right. an end, and uh, so it, it works, you know, dramatically fairly well i felt especially again with the actors they're so good that it's like yeah you can establish these relationships without any sort of like background and you can just sort of thrust these people into it and kind of understand what's going on and who loves who and who's like potentially cheating on who and what the fuck's going on and and i mean at the end of the at the end of the day uh it was just like Jesse James surrounded by a bunch of country bumpkins and not his original gang anymore, right? Like his, his last incarnation of his gang basically were a bunch of like rednecks and shit he pulled out of the hills that weren't anywhere near as competent as the people he rode with beforehand.
1: That's true. Well, I and mean, yeah. in this movie, you I mean, you got to think that, as we've already said, that they were at the end of their, I guess you could say, careers at their end of the run. But these, you know, they were all bad guys. They, they were, mm. they, you know, they were glorified in the in the in the little trade paperbacks and in, in, the, in the news and newspapers. I mean, but, you know, they were feared, but yeah. they were also, you know, I think this movie manages to humanize them just a tad because you get to see like they did have families. You yeah. know, they did have relationships. They had children. They had, you know, they got to forget. You, know, you can't forget these guys were just just humans. Mm-hmm. flawed, albeit, but you know, when they hit the end of that, that, that run that they had Jesse, you know, mm-hmm. his his, his game was not what it once was. It was not built with confidence that he could trust and that he knew. It was, like you said, it was a bunch of, you know, hillbillies hell, from the, the holler, so to yeah. speak. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I gotta mention this because he shows up in a lot of these movies, um, First, uh, score by Rye Cooter in a, in a Walter Hill film. Uh, Cooter said that Hill had heard one of his records while making the film and thought that my music had an atmospheric quality that he was looking for. Walter likes, likes score to be part of his movie's environment instead of the factor that's driving it. And I've always looked at a film, at film music as an environmental issue. So that's, uh, he'll show up in the next movie too. We're going to do, uh... Southern Comfort.
1: He does the score for that as well.
3: Boy, does he ever!
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, and the Cooter soundtrack, man. He's just went. <clears throat> <clears throat> that just, <throat> that's all
3: I can say. <clears throat> yeah, there's there's some good twang in there for sure. Um, I did, one min one thing I did want to mention that I really appreciate, it, especially after um, having done a lot of uh, like silent movies in the last couple of years and stuff on my own podcast. Uh, there's a nice little nod to the Great Train Robbery from 1903. Um, it's it's where uh, Bob Ford is assassinating Jesse James, and it, and it shows him firing his gun at the camera in like the sort of the like point of view uh, shot. Uh, and it's, it's basically direct lift from that uh, that uh, famous shot in Great Train Robbery that um, reportedly freaked out a lot of people who were like watching a character basically break the, f- the fourth wall and look at the audience and shoot at them, basically. Apparently it shocked a lot of people back in the day when they were watching it on screen because cinema was such a new thing to so many people back then, right? So they w- they didn't know what to expect.
2: Yeah, for sure, man. Um, I'm going to kick it to Cameron and ask him um, any uh, scenes that stood out for him that he'd like to bring up that he hasn't brought up already. And um, yeah, go for it, man
1: oh jeez well i mean i don't know what we can touch upon that we haven't already hit upon of, um you know I, I think a couple of the other cam cameos that we should mention is uh you know peter jason is one of the pinkertons and let me just say mm. this the pinkerton pinkertons were a bunch of motherfuckers oh yeah they were not good guys either they were they just had badges they, they were mm-hmm. back then they were they were as equally amount of bad guys uh on that side, but just saying. But Peter Jason is one of the Pinkertons. Uh, we got, uh, you know, Remar was showing up. Alan Graf, who's always a bit player in a bunch of, uh, you know, westerns and stuff, uh, He shows up in Deadwood. And he shows up in Universal Soldiers. always so, oh, a stunt guy. But I think that the thing I walk, walk away from this movie loving the most is David Carradine, mm-hmm. and he's not usually known. <laughs> for being, like, I'm using air quotes here, the best of actors. But I think this is probably one of his finest performances. It, it felt very grounded, you know, and especially for this point in his career post-Kung uh, Fu and everything. Uh, I, I think it's, a, you know, a, a great film, underrated. And when people mention certain Westerns, you know, people always mentioned, uh, you know, like ones I mentioned, Unforgiven, they mentioned Tombstone, the the Spaghetti Western trilogy and things like that. I think this is sorely underappreciated. And that last gunfight i gotta i gotta say brutal haunting mm-hmm. and one thing yeah. though, no one reloads no one reloads in this <laughs> <movie>. <laughs> it commits the movie one of the movie sins of never reloading but i i can i i, I can I, I can look past that because when it comes to shooting action, there are few better than uh Walter Hill, and hats off to him this this is uh penultimate uh Western, you know, with the exception with the
3: exception yeah, of, I, I'm so sorry, the I knife like fight scene. Quite a bit. It's uh, even even with the uh, the sort of lingering hangout stuff and the barn dances, it still moves at a really quick pace. I, I found, for the most part, uh, you know, the actors are all great. Um, I love that it was obviously a bit of a passion project. You know, like um, as Cameron is saying, Carradine is like really really good in this and. And I and I think you know Carradine's just one of those guys who, if he knew he was in shit, he wasn't gonna try. Um, right, right. And, but when when he was in something that he, he believed in and thought was great, he he gives it his all. And I mean, he uh, forfeited his profit to participate in this, and so did the Keach brothers, uh, as far There's as no their shit. profit as as uh, percentages of uh, as executive producer, uh, so that they could get the budget up to where it needed to be basically um yeah where where is that trivia note i had it written down here actually uh, in order to make the movie dave the Carradine forfeited his customary profit participation and the keech brothers gave up their profit percentages as executive producer in order uh, that the Carradine brothers got the same oh got the same amount of profits uh when the film went over its 7.5 million budget the keechs forfeited their executive producer fees there you go so that's what this they they did a little wheel and dealing to uh, get this where it needed to be, and I I think they made uh, double their budget eventually. Like it, it ended up like an eight million dollar budget, I guess, and they got to like fifteen or something like that. So they did okay, for, especially for back in in the day there. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is great. Uh, as mentioned uh eddie bunker in this always nice to see him pop up even if he just pops up as basically a thug to get shot um i'll mention that there's the the red-headed uh, girl in this uh amy Stryker, i think the actress is she's quite cute i appreciated that i did and, as uh, well <laughs> yeah and uh yeah no this is this is good stuff like i said uh Probably at the bottom of the list so far, as far as the Walter Hill stuff we've been watching uh, for the podcast. But uh, that's—it's not definitely not going to stay at the bottom of the list as we go along. We'll put it, put it that way.
2: Cool. I, I I have to agree about David Carradine. I think the reason why he was so good in this movie is that, with the exception of you know the knife fight that he has with James Remar, he's he's mm-hmm. pretty he's pretty reserved, and he kind of lets the other actors do their thing. Whereas if you watch a, a David Carradine vehicle, usually, he's usually the star of this movie. So he's got to carry the movie, you know,
3: as, yeah. as far mm-hmm. as
2: it'll go. But this, he's surrounded by, by people, including family. And I think his reservedness, you know, if that's even a word, I apologize for my English, uh, mm-hmm. is... is um. It's a big quality in this movie that he doesn't possess in many other movies because he doesn't have to carry the weight on his own in this movie. He has lots of lots of help to carry with him. Um, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they, they're, they're robbing the coach um, of Harry Carey Jr. And I, I forget the actor's name, but I've seen him in like 47 things. Um, he lies about being in the war. Oh yeah. oh, yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah,
2: go ahead and take his shit. He's lying. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> one, it's one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie because, like, yeah, that's that, that's that old-fashioned, you know, draft dodging you know, attitude of the old-timers to say, yeah, you know what, you fucking lied about going to war? Fucking take his shit. Take his goddamn
3: clothes, too, while you're at it. He didn't say that, right. but, you I, know. I, was, I fucking love that scene. <laughs> and then apparently, apparently, you know, apparently that like most of this is taken from stories, whether they're true or not, that actually uh, reportedly happened, you know? So th- that's one of the fun things about this movie it's like, I didn't know too much about uh, the James gang and everything. So when I was originally doing research for this and, and watching it, I was like, so is this a real guy? And then I went down this rabbit hole trying to find these people. So like uh, the James Remar character, the uh, what's his name? Star, Sam Star. Uh, Sam Starr, actually apparently a real guy um, but they're, it, it's amazing, a lot of these people, you know it was from so long ago that there's really not that much about them they're just like sort of satellite characters in this sort of myth of the James gang kind of thing and, and even if you look on like sites from like historians and stuff there's like, you know, a paragraph about Sam Starr oh Sam Starr was a minor criminal who did this and that and married this person and that's about it, you know uh, they don't have the extensive biographies, so you can stick them in here and you can put them in a knife fight with Cole Younger in a bar <laughs> over a whore, you know, and and you do, who who's who's to tell you you're wrong, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, that knife fight might have happened and it just might have been a different guy. <laughs> you know, yeah, know, You yeah. can as easily just put Sam Starr in there, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: He was fighting for, for the whore because that was his whore, you know, Again very very possessive but if there wasn't a little bit of love on there I guess he wouldn't have been fighting for to to possibly get get death at a bar with with a knife
1: <laughs> interesting fight tactics i, I was not going to say that it was uh, it was interesting yeah man, oh man um and i have and i have to say like uh kudos to Dennis Quaid for outcrazing Randy Quaid on screen yeah mm-hmm you know, because he definitely plays the crazy one out of the two and Randy plays the more reserved one of the two. It, it's it's always I always forget about that every time I go to watch this is like, oh, yeah, this is this is Dennis pulling out his best Randy shit. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was critically, you know, received pretty well and, and by by many critics and uh including. Leonard Maltin, Gene Siskel, people people like that of the sorts, you know. Um, yep. But, you know, the box office um, didn't reflect that because it came out in 80. And uh, I think the quote is right here. James Keach wrote a letter to the Los Angeles Times in response to an article on the poor box office performance of the Westerns. Keach claimed Long Riders uh, wasn't a Star Wars of the box office, but recouped its full $9 million investment and earned United Artists a profit. Uh, Stacy Keats wrote in his memoirs that I believe to this day that we made money even though the studio claimed it only broke even and uh, you never can tell especially nowadays huh. you know because when so many films that we love were, were failures at the box office you know and I put that in air quotes you can't see it through audio formats but um mm. made crazy amount of money after they were released to p- pick a John Carpenter film that's not Halloween okay Right. I mean, the thing, Big Trouble in Little China, they're 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 they be, they be, they became cult classics, and they're
3: they're just classics now. And I mean, yeah, I mean those movies, you know, eventually made their money back and and more. But like, who got that money at that point? Like,
1: mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, <laughs> so many years. Some,
1: after some executive that probably wasn't even born when the the movie came out. Right. But um, have we said a lot about this
2: one, and I I I really in. Enjoy this talk. Uh, do we rate films on this show? This is how I disorganized right now. I don't remember that far back. I don't think we do, though. <laughs> <It's> just, um, <laughs> I think he got from our conversation if we liked it or not. So go, go yeah. for that. Yeah. But, I think um, the
1: best quote, uh, one quote I got I, written down here that I didn't touch base on, go I for it, man. It was from Hill himself about this movie that sums it up perfectly. The jokes are funny, but the bullets are real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the
2: consequences yeah. too. I mean, like what you said, the end of the movie is, I mean, the the last gun-gun fight is, is pretty devastating. I mean, squibs... Well, in reality, yeah. uh,
1: fucking uh, Cole Younger got shot 11 times back in the day when somebody who got... You know, shot once, lost an arm, or lost a leg, or died from sepsis, or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that was one tough old bastard.
3: You know, eleven shots and still lived to be seventy-some odd years old. Yeah, and like Jesse James when he died, like he was what age thirty-four or something like that. When he got caught up to, he had like like a shot off finger and other all kinds of other injuries and shit. Like these these guys came out of the Civil War. And like nobody came out of the Civil War unscathed, so <laughs> no. But um, yeah, that's about the end of this one. Um,
2: look, look for our Patreon uh, s- special episode. It can only be found on to Patreon, which was Lee's pick. We're gonna do that every every time. Now everybody's gonna have a pick, and uh, because that's that's fair. And I'm I'm retarded. Uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Look for that review on patreon that is coming very soon after this episode comes out so look for that or before i haven't decided yet i've been recording so much this week i've been it's been a happy experience
3: but um <laughs> lee um pimp your stuff sir uh yeah you can find me at uh tmbdos.podbean.com that's for my podcast they must be destroyed on site where we Do a little bit of everything. I've been kind of slowing down a little bit as of late just because schedules have been conflicting and stuff like that. So we're kind of getting like an episode or two out every couple of weeks. Basically, you know, still not too bad uh, production-wise, but uh, definitely been slowing down on that a little bit. Um, Also, by the time you hear this, uh, if you haven't checked it out... uh, Our major domo over here at Legion Podcast, Bo Ransdale, um, has his new podcast, The Dark Parade, and I was recently on an episode of that, as was uh, Gary as well. Uh, But uh, the one I recently did was uh, Let Me In, the the, uh, remake of Let the Right One In, uh, the American remake of uh, the Vampire Classic. Uh, So uh, check that out. It's a nice... New little horror podcast going on that Bo's got going, so uh, it's good stuff. That, that's a film that makes you ask yourself, you
2: know, was it necessary, but was it really that bad? I don't think it was that bad to me. I, I kind of no. I,
3: I could like both. Spoilers, Bo Bo, and I both liked it, and we kind of even talked ourselves into liking it a bit more by the time we finished our conversation, so. It,
2: it happens when you're talking about stuff. You know. mm-hmm. <laughs> Cameron.
1: Oh, well, I'm still kicking it. to Cinema Degeneration. Um, we're on Podbean. Every, everywhere else you can get find podcasts, uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I do got some new stuff coming out. I got a new show called Without Warning where I surprise my good buddy Corey Dawson. Middle of the night, because he's a night owl with a surprise uh, topic that he had, knows <laughs> nothing about. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm kind of catching him off guard with those. And I'm going gonna to be recording through, throughout the month of December for a new uh, appreciation month topic that we got where we're doing nothing but uh, Vincent Price films for the entire month of uh, uh, January.
2: Are you doing Doctor Doctor Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs? Because
1: you know these these important the questions to ask. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I haven't scheduled that one yet. I have a couple. I got. Uh, we're doing. Uh, we just recorded the first one on uh, Last House. Not Last House on the Left. Jeez. <laughs> Last Man on Earth, and I'm mm. doing a Doctor Fives double feature tomorrow night and Sunday. I'm recording uh, one on the Tingler.
2: I, oh, yeah.
1: I, I think Comedy of Terrors is
2: very important,
3: though, because it makes me laugh so hard. Oh, yeah. Comedy of Terrors is great.
0: Mm.
3: And Theater of Blood and Madhouse. Like all of all his later day AIP stuff is. Madhouse is great. like
1: my personal favorite. Is. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's hands out. Between him and Peter Cushing and Robert Quarry. that movie's mm-hmm. got it all. Yeah, me,
2: myself, you can find all my stuff on Legion, this show, and Sin and Beef podcast. Um, Blood from the Core, you can find on Legion Patreon only. We we just recorded a brand new show. Um, we took on X, me and Derek, and we did Combat Shock. And, um, what was the other one though? Oh, Too Scared to Scream, we did it as a double bill. So, that'll be one episode, and then... Derek and I are going to record a, something for the main feed, uh, a Bridge and Tunnel episode, this time going to Connecticut for Beetlejuice, so look look forward to that. And cool. uh, the one after that, because it's already been scheduled, because we're going to stockpile these bitches, y'all, just so I can get more content out to you guys. We're going to record Basket Case with, with, with Carly, so I'm looking forward to that, mm-hmm. I don't know I'm not sure how Carly feels about basket case, so it's just going to be a nice surprise. <laughs> you we know? wow. um, Yeah, more uh, cinnamon beef uh, coming. Everything coming in, in, in two-week increments. This will be every two weeks, as long as we keep it up and blood from the core every two weeks as long as we keep it up. All this stuff, as long as we keep it up, it'll be coming every two weeks. Um, don't, you, I,
3: don't you still have some lingering 31 days of Halloween? That, yeah,
2: I have some. You know, which, yeah, that, I'm going to talk about that right now, actually, because I have those supposed to be out. Stuff happened in my life, so I'm going to re- 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 release those as like, a compilation. Yeah, just, mm-hmm. just, or, or maybe, like, filter. The, I haven't decided yet. I'm either going to filter them within the current episodes, like, hey, here's... Here's Lee and, and and Lady Lee doing a, a review of this, and you'll hear it, you know, between reviews on the other, on the main show. I, I haven't decided how, what I'm gonna do with those, but I'm definitely gonna put them out because people put put work into them, and I appreciate that. And uh, you will definitely hear the rest of those. And um, I just haven't decided how to release them yet. I'm just I'm, I'm contemplating. It'd be fun to put them in the, within the current and beef episodes. I think, though. I think this is I'm going to go about it. And uh, look for that in future episodes, including the one we record next week with Derek, I think. So it's, it's a, a lot going on in my brain. It's fine, though. It's a, <laughs> it's all good shit in my brain. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, but that's the end of this one. Uh, we'll see you next time. If you guys uh join the lead of Patreon, we mentioned that already, that episode, but the next main episode on the main feed will be Southern Comfort. It should be a good conversation. Um in if you're doing the Patreon episode for that one, and I don't mind at all. It'll be it'll be Cameron's choice. So, Cameron, think about that, brother. What you what you would okay. uh,
1: do for that for that? And uh for a companion piece to Southern Comfort, I'll think about that.
2: Beautiful. Hmm. <laughs> But um, we'll see y'all next time. This has been the Last Call of Torchies. D- torch, torch, tor- I almost said tortures. Torchies, <laughs> and um, we'll ride again and see you guys soon. Bye bye, later.